what a joy it is to sing together um, and to focus on those beautiful words um, singing about our Lord and our God. We can have an opportunity um, now to keep thinking about our relationship with God. Um, something that we love to do as a church at Soul Revival Church is to stop together and to think about um, the, the way that um, we live our lives uh, week by week um, and not to dwell on things that are sad for the sake of dwelling on things that are sad, um, but to be realistic and to say that there are times when we don't do what God wants us to do. Um, and part of our faith is recognising that and part of our um, fellowship together is being real with each other. So I'm going to take um, a moment now to uh, read to you some words um, from the Bible, um, a beautiful um, section of 1 John that reminds us a little bit about how we stand before God and, um, and um, the reconciliation, the forgiveness that we need from him. Um, then I'm going to say a prayer and I encourage you to join me um, if you would like to say sorry um, for your sins to God this morning. Um, and then following that, we're going to continue on with some more lovely prayers. So please join with me. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So let us confess our sins to God, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we have come to see that our lives fall far short of your glory. Have mercy on us and forgive us. You have given your son for us and poured out your spirit, yet we fail to return your love with all our heart. Father, have mercy on us and change us. Too often we are selfish and proud, ignoring you and neglecting others. Please cleanse us from our sin. When we do not truly trust and obey you, we are overwhelmed by self-pity, fear and worry. Father, deliver us from these things. In Jesus, we are given a sure hope and secure love, yet we often follow the false hopes and desires of this world. Father, please renew us. And Father God, through the redeeming death of your Son, by your spirit and through your word, enable us to follow you with joy. Our God fulfills his promises and is true to his word. We have confessed our sins and God has forgiven us because Christ died for us. Amen. We're going to continue to um, think about this idea of forgiveness um, as we recognise a special week that in Australia we are um, uh, remembering, which is Reconciliation Week. It's like, it's like to say good morning to all the Soul Revival people and Brother Stewie and uh, count as a great honour, Brother, to, to pray, pray with you today and um, we go back a long way uh, to the Aboriginal people out west of Brie Warner and Walgut, Colorindabri and Gadooga and Lord... Uh, has blessed us greatly uh, with this relationship. I can remember when it first happened back uh, 18 years ago now, and uh, 
Sister Fee and uh, a visit to Kirinari Hostel and uh, a great relationship has taken place since then. It's been going for 18 years and it's a real blessing and I want to just say I love you people up there and uh, God has blessed me unbelievably. And uh, the people of Briwarner and that west. Um, I'll talk a bit about reconciliation. I, I was walking down the uh, cemetery, through the cemetery the other day and and seen a uh, headstone with a saying, uh, reconciliation or treaties not found sitting around the table. But uh, found in the hearts of men, in our true that is they. And uh, we have found that in Jesus Christ. We are true brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, no matter what nationality, you know, we, we're we just one in Christ Jesus. And what a true blessing it is to, uh, to be part of God's family and have all my brothers and sisters here in Kirui. Soul Revival and, and the Grimea Church there. It's been a wonderful thing. So let's just pray and thank God for this time together, this relationship we have, and, and ask him to guide us in the days that lie ahead. Our blessed God and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, to say thank you for this time, Father God, of, uh, of sorry, Father God, of reconciliation. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, for what's happening between the, the Aboriginal people uh, in Brewarna and, and the Far West and, uh, and the Christian brothers and sisters in Kirui and Gaimia, Father God, and Cronulla. Father God, we have received something beautiful from, uh, from you. Father God, we have true brothers and sisters in Christ, Father. And I want to pray for this relationship, Lord, between between the Aboriginal people in Brewarner and uh, and the Christian and Soul Revival. And I just ask, Lord, that you strengthen us in every way. May this beautiful relationship, Lord, this family we have, grow. And may we do great things, Lord, together as we serve you in this this place, Father God, of Brewarner and, and Sydney, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the support of Soul Revival to, to the Aboriginal people, Lord, for the love and support they, they give us, Father God. It's a great blessing and a great joy, Lord. And I do pray for for uh, Soul Revival, Lord, Brother Stewie and the church there at Kirui and, and the other churches, Father God. Just pray, Lord, that, that um, we'll see many people saved, Lord, in, in Sydney, the Cronulla area, Father God. Many people come to you, Lord. And find that peace only you can give, Father God. We pray for this country, Lord, that we can have uh, true reconciliation, Lord, or, or forgiveness, Lord, uh, through you, Lord. True reconciliation is only found in you, Father God. We just pray, Lord, for this country of ours, that they may see that we can be one people, Lord, if only we put our trust in you and, and know you as our personal saviour, Father God. You break down cultures, Lord. You break down barriers. And, uh, Lord, one blood 
That's the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that washes us white as snow, Lord. And I just want to give you thanks now, Father. I'd give you praise and I just ask, Lord, that you strengthen each and every one of us. Keep us safe from this terrible sickness going about, Lord. But just help us, Lord, to reach out to the people in our communities, Father God, we pray. We just give you thanks we give you praise in the mighty name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, we're going to do the most important thing we do on Soul Revival, and that's to read from God's Word. So we're going to um, read from uh, Daniel, chapter 8, verses 1 to 14. So, um, so that's chapter 8, verses 1 to 14. Titled, Daniel's Vision of a Ram and a Goat. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns, standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great. But at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It itself set up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the hosts that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Hi there, my name's Anthony Elyard. Um, thank you for the Bible reading. Let me pray and then I'll start. Lord Jesus, 
we thank you for this passage. We ask, Lord, that we can understand what you want to teach us today. And we pray that we can put that into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was a pretty difficult passage, but more on that later. Let me first start by setting the context of where we are in the book of Daniel. And then we can look at chapter eight later. So far in Daniel, we've learned about three amazing aspects of God. God is faithful, God is sovereign, and God is judge. And Daniel learns about these aspects of God while he is in exile in Babylon, waiting to return to the promised land. God is faithful to his people, which gives hope. And in light of this hope, Daniel is an example of someone who faithfully serves God despite persecution. God is sovereign. He's in authority over all things. So have patience because God is going to bring in his kingdom and he will bless his people. And Daniel faithfully serves God knowing that God is in control. God is judge. Humans rebel against God, God and behave like beasts. But even when suffering, Daniel faithfully serves the kings of Babylon, all the while knowing that God will be just. Daniel reflects how God wants his people to live. And last week we saw in chapter 7 that there is hope that God's people will live in God's kingdom forever. So what about chapter 8? In chapter 8, Daniel has a new vision. Verses 3 to 14 tell us the vision. Now, I'm going to need a little bit of help, so I've got my artistic daughter, Sarah, to put together some slides that's going to help us understand this passage. So, there was a ram. It had two horns. The first horn was smaller, and the second horn was much bigger than the first horn. No beast could stand against the powerful ram. The ram did whatever he wanted and became great. But then suddenly there was an angry, horn, uh, an angry goat. It was fast and it had a massive horn. The goat attacked the ram and killed it. Then the goat became very great. But as soon as the goat became great, unexpectedly, the big horn broke off. You know those moments when the world seems to stop? What is going to happen now? Well, four smaller horns grew from where the big horn was. And then one out of one of the four horns grew a little horn. It grew towards the south, towards the east, and towards the, the beautiful land. This little horn trampled God's people and destroyed truth. The sacrifices in the temple were stopped and the sanctuary was overthrown. The arrogance of the little horn knew no bounds. And this would last 2,300 evenings and mornings. Okay, all clear, right? Well, maybe you're like me. What is going on? What does this vision mean? After reading it, I was thinking, why did I get this passage? Well, even Daniel was not sure what it meant. He was thinking about it in verse 5, 
and trying to understand the vision in verse 15. I'm sure you have lots of questions like I did. Fortunately, the rest of the passage helps explain it. So thank God for the angel Gabriel who interprets the vision in verses 17 to 26. So back to the slides. The ram's first and smaller horn symbolizes the king of Media and the ram's bigger horn is the king of Persia. So the ram symbolizes the kingdom of Persia and Media. It grew to be a powerful kingdom. The goat symbolizes the kingdom of Greece and the massive horn is the king of Greece, Alexander the Great. The angry goat, Greece, attacks the ram, Persia, and kills it. So Alexander the Great conquers the Persian Empire and his kingdom becomes very powerful. But soon after becoming very powerful, the horn breaks off the goat. So this symbolises Alexander the Great's sudden and unexpected death at the age of 33. The new four horns then describe what happens to the kingdom of Greece after Alexander's death. The kingdom of Greece divides into four smaller, weaker kingdoms. One of the, from one of the four smaller kingdoms comes a king, the little horn. Now, most scholars believe um, that the little horn is Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, Epiphanes means manifestation of God. So Antiochus sees himself as the incarnation of the Greek god Zeus. Antiochus was a Greek and he conquered Israel, the beautiful land of verse 9. So Antiochus hates the Jews and he hated Yahweh. So let me give you some tantalising information for you history buffs about Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus killed about 40,000 Jews and enslaved as many again. He attacked the temple, killing the high priest, and he ordered the sacrifices stopped in 167 BC. He set up an idol to, to Zeus on the altar in the temple, desecrating the sanctuary. He offered pagan sacrifices of pigs on the temple altar, which the Jews saw as the biggest insult to God. Finally, he stopped the Jews from following the law and forced them to practice, um, to adopt Greek customs and religious practices. So all of these things broadly agree with the description of the little horn in verses 23 to 26. Antiochus's reign was brief, but it was fierce. Alexander was the massive horn and Antiochus is the little horn. So my question is, why does the vision focus so much on the little horn, Antiochus? Well, it's because Antiochus attacks God's people, destroys God's temple. So in effect, Antiochus is attacking God. How do you react when you see someone attacking God or his people, our people? So Daniel has heard the vision and gets a brief interpretation of it. But how does he react? Let's have a look at Daniel's reaction in the last verse. 
Let me read Daniel 8, verse 27. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and I went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. So this vision doesn't meet Daniel's expectations of a joyous return to the promised land where his people can live God's way. How does Daniel respond to the vision? Well, he responds in three ways. Firstly, he's overwhelmed, worn out, exhausted. Secondly, Daniel goes about the king's business. And thirdly, he still doesn't fully understand what God's talking about. So let's look at each of these in turn. Firstly, Daniel is overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed with life? Daniel is overwhelmed. He's worn out, exhausted. For days, he couldn't function. Now, this is a natural response to terrible news. Now, how many of you have seen the Netflix series, Making a Murderer? In brief, it's about a man called Stephen Avery. Stephen is arrested and charged with sexual assault and he's found guilty and goes to prison. After 18 years in prison, evidence comes to light that he's innocent and he's released. But his joy is short-lived because soon after that, he's charged with murder. Throughout the series, Stephen maintains his innocence. So one of the themes throughout the, throughout the series is, why did this happen again? Have you ever been in a situation where you've thought, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me again? Why, God? It was bad enough the first time. Daniel has been in exile in Babylon most of his life. He's hopeful of a return to Jerusalem soon. He's waiting for that return. But God is going to judge his people again. It's all going to happen again. Daniel is overwhelmed for three reasons. Firstly, Israel, his people will be attacked and brutally conquered by an evil pagan king. He fears for his people. Secondly, God's temple where God meets with his people will be desecrated. And all of the ways God taught his people to live God's way in the land will be stopped. He can't believe how his God, the God of the universe, is going to be so disrespected. Thirdly, this will all come about because Israel will sin again, as it says in verse 12. Israel is going to fail again. Has Israel learnt nothing from the exile? So Daniel is exhausted. And like Daniel, we have to deal with the frustration and disappointment of a sinful world. But then he got up. So secondly, Daniel is busy about the king's business. What would you do if you knew something bad was going to happen again? For me, I worry and I get anxious. What do you do? Well, Daniel, surprisingly, went on with his life. 
So after being overwhelmed about the future of his people, Daniel got up and went about the king's business. Now, this is a remarkable statement given the fact of who the king was at the time. The king was Belshazzar, a Babylonian, who treated God's people and God with contempt. So in spite of the wickedness of the, of the rulers, Daniel did not isolate himself from the culture around him, but he continued faithfully in the service of the people of Babylon. Why did Daniel do this? Even when the future is uncertain, Daniel knows that God is faithful. So in turn, Daniel is faithful to him. God is in control and he will be just. And Jeremiah 29 talks about how the Jews were to live in Babylon, even though they were exiles. They were to settle down in Babylon and seek the peace and prosperity of the city and pray for the, to the Lord for it. So despite the horrible future, Daniel will continue in his faithful service of the king of Babylon. Now he shows his faithfulness in serving the king of Babylon by interpreting the king's dreams and helping the king to prosper by applying God's wisdom. But what else is part of Daniel's faithfulness? We should remember that Daniel's faithfulness was never at God's expense. In chapter one, Daniel would not eat the rich food that the king provided. He did this because God commanded them not to eat the food. In chapter six, Daniel would not worship the king as God, even though this risked his own life. So I think the verse is deliberately ambiguous about who the king is in the statement that Daniel was busy about the king's business. Here, the king is both the king of Babylon and the king of kings, God. So how does this give us insight into how we should face the difficulties of life? Like Daniel, our work is meaning and meaningful and valuable. It's a gift from God and something our loving creator intends for our good. Loving God and loving others has value. This is how Daniel lived while he waited for his return to the promised land, serving the Babylonian king and serving God the king, living to serve for society's good, but not at God's expense. So the third way Daniel responds to the vision is in not understanding it fully. Does it matter that if Daniel doesn't understand? Well, Daniel says he didn't understand the vision and after reading it the first time, I know how he feels. Do you fully understand the vision? But Daniel was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dreams in chapters two and four. In chapter five, Daniel could read the handwriting on the wall. How could he do these things? Well, he could do them because God revealed them to, those things to him. So what is going on? Daniel understands some things and not other things. He understands what God believes he needs to understand because God is in control. And with the benefit of history, we understand the vision a bit more than Daniel did. 
For example, we know that the large horn is Alexander the Great. But we don't always understand everything and we don't always understand why things happen. What we can learn from this passage in the book of Daniel is that God is sovereign. He controls all things and has a purpose for our lives, even when we don't understand what's going on. And God is worthy of our trust and faithfulness. I mean, think about the animals that God chose to symbolise those powerful kingdoms, a ram and a goat. I mean, does a ram and a goat fill you with terror? No, these kingdoms are no threat to God. God is more powerful than the, than the most powerful forces that Satan and humanity can throw at him. And he is so in control, he can even number the days of this future period of suffering at 2,300, as he says in verse 14. So what about us? How do you live knowing that God is in control? God being in control of all things gives us hope regardless of what we're going through and even when we don't fully understand why. Like Daniel, we live in a world of pain and suffering and death. Like Daniel, we are exiles away from God's final kingdom, heaven. And in a kingdom ruled and influenced by people that don't follow God. There are times when we have no understanding about what is happening around us. In light of this, how can we live like Daniel does? Well, God will reveal to us the key things. Daniel 8 verse 16 is the first time in scripture that an angel's name is mentioned. Gabriel is mentioned here and then later in Luke's gospel. In Daniel, Gabriel announces the coming of destruction on God's people. But what does he announce in Luke chapter one? Well, Gabriel tells Zechariah that his wife, Elizabeth, is pregnant with a son. And this son will be called John and he will lead many people back to God. In fact, he will prepare the way for the Messiah. Zechariah has his doubts. He doesn't believe this. And because of this, Gabriel takes away his ability to speak until after the birth. So finally, after the birth of John, Zechariah can speak again and praises God. Now he believes and he says that God has raised up a horn of salvation for us. God will save us a horn of salvation instead of a little horn, a Messiah who will conquer our greatest enemies, sin and death. Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the price of our continued rebellion against God. Through this, God provides a way for us to live with him. So Gabriel announces two horns. Firstly, a little horn, Antiochus, who's a horn of destruction and who will in turn be destroyed. Secondly, a horn of salvation, Jesus, who will never be destroyed. Jesus came to, the, to earth as a man and lived amongst the Jews of Israel. 
What Antiochus did to the Jewish people and the temple was disgusting. But even worse than that, the Jews arrested Jesus and killed him. They killed their own saviour. But Jesus' death did not ruin God's plan. In fact, it was part of it. God showed that this sacrifice was acceptable by raising Jesus from the dead and seating him at God's right hand as the ruler of the universe. So now access to God's presence has been restored again. After we die, if we believe in Jesus, we will live in his kingdom forever. So for us, Daniel 8 is about being faithful to God. Daniel was waiting for a return to the promised land. And while waiting, he was faithful to God. Even when he was overwhelmed by the vision, he will be faithful to God. Why? Well, why? Because God is worthy of our trust and our faith. God is faithful. That's the key message of Daniel chapter 8, that God is faithful. So even though you may be overwhelmed and may not understand what's happening around you, how will you respond? How will God's ultimate salvation shape your response to faithfully live for God, no matter the circumstance? God's authority over all things and his provision of the ultimate saviour, Jesus, gives us access to eternal life. And this gives us the hope we need to live on the earth now when things seem out of control and bad things seem to happen again and again. Do you live with this hope? Do you have the assurance of a future with Jesus in heaven where there will be no suffering and no sin and no death? If you haven't got this assurance, consider talking to other Christians or the staff here at Solis. Our God is holy and we've been reminded of just how holy he is as we've read from his word and as Anthony has um, opened it up to us um, and as Sarah's pictures have made it um, very visual and real to us. I wonder how you're travelling in these strange times. Not the same as the strange times that Daniel faced, not the same as the vision that Daniel faced, but strange times nevertheless. Uh, times when it can be easy to be overwhelmed, exhausted, um, appalled, and when it's often hard to understand. Tonight we've been, this morning, we've been encouraged to think about God's knowledge, God's power, God's control, and how in all these things, he is sovereign and we need not be afraid. What a wonderful comfort that is. I'm going to wrap up our time um, with a prayer now and then tell you a couple of things about um, what will be happening after this and, and next week as well. So let's pray. Father God, like Daniel, sometimes we are exhausted by the things of this world, by the things that you reveal to us, Lord God. Please comfort us in that. Father, sometimes we just don't understand. Thank you that you assure us that you will give us understanding of the things we need to know. And give us patience when there are things that we don't understand. Give us trust in you that you are in control and that you understand. And finally, Lord God, 
in all these things. Help us to follow the example of Daniel and be about the king's business. Whether that be the things that we can do in our day-to-day life to follow you, whether it be simply by remembering that you are Lord and giving ourselves into your hands. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have an opportunity now to continue to hang out through the Zoom chats. Um, if uh, you haven't connected with us, with us in that way before, um, you might want to make a comment um, in the Facebook feed or go onto our, um, our Soul Revival website and we'll be able to connect you up um, with, um, with others in our Soul Revival community. Um, if you are regularly gathering with us and you need those um, codes and passwords, you will find them on the Pulse app. Next week, we are going to do something that we haven't done together for a little while, which is share in the Lord's Supper, have communion together. And because of the way that we are meeting at the moment, um, that will mean that you may like to prepare yourself um, by getting some bread, making sure you've got some bread and some juice ready so that when we have um, communion next week, you'll be able to join in um, in that way. One way, have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is OK by Ixon. Thank you.